Now let us turn to the gospel according to John, the first chapter, the last verse. <clears throat> and he saith unto him, that is, Jesus said unto Nathanael, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This text is the conclusion of a sequence that covered a period of about four days. And perhaps the best way to handle it is to take the first day, the second day, the third day, and the fourth day. But the introduction comes when John the Baptist begins his preaching. John the Baptist was the forerunner, ordained of God, to announce the coming of the Messiah, to baptize Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was the son of Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary. John the Baptist obviously had not seen or was not aware as to just who this Messiah was. It's very clear in the introduction that concerns his own preaching that he knows that he is the forerunner. He is fully aware that God has ordained him, commanded him to go out and baptize, a baptism uh, for repentance of sin. He's fully aware that his ministry is a ministry which God has called him to, but the actual identification of the Messiah was to take place in a specific given manner which the Lord said uh, he would arrange. And in the 26th verse, if you'll turn now in your Bibles, we'll follow this development through the days, first day, second day, third day, and fourth day. We have the discussion that centers around the ministry of John the Baptist. And verse 24, and they were sent of the Pharisees. The Pharisees sent some men to see John the Baptist, and they asked of him and said, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ? The ministry of John the Baptist was of a similar nature and was of such a content that the Pharisees believed that John the Baptist uh, perhaps could be the Messiah. But that John the Baptist, in his ministry, was so powerful that the Pharisees took note of him, and they were wondering if perhaps he couldn't be the Messiah. Now that raises a whole area so far as the thinking of the Pharisees and the members of the Sanhedrin. This is the group that Jesus Christ later denounces hypocrites and blind guides and says that they are children of hell. This is the group that later is going to cry, crucify him, crucify him, and they're going to gather about the foot of the cross with gravings and snortings like a pack of dogs. Here they are, and they say, could John the Baptist be the Messiah? Why did the Pharisees think that perhaps John might be the Messiah? What was there in the circumstances? Well, beloved, 
The Old Testament prophecies predicted the coming of the Messiah, and no one could read it without seeing it. And the Jews today read their Old Testament, and they too know it predicts the coming of the Messiah. But these prophecies of the Old Testament had certain time relationships connected with them, particularly the one in Daniel, Daniel 9. And that was common knowledge. And then here was Anna, and here was Simeon, and here were these others that had uh, testified that they looked for the coming of the Messiah, and they went into the temple, and they found a little babe there, and they sang their great praises. And the words of that, circulated through Jerusalem, circulated through the community, circulated through the priestly ministry of the Sanhedrin. And they were suspicious. They were wondering. They were waiting for someone to appear, someone to arise that would uh, possibly fulfill what was being said about the Messiah. So John the Baptist preaching, the multitudes that followed him, and the power that was evident in his preaching against sin, and he called for repentance against sin, led the Sanhedrin to send a delegation out to see John and say, John, why baptizest thou then if thou art not the Christ or Elias, or neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you, the very thing that they were suspicious of, John the Baptist says, is a reality. You leaders of the Pharisees, you're thinking that I might be the Messiah, and you're anticipating something of this nature to develop, and you're looking here and you're looking there. Now he says, I'm not the Messiah, but I just want to tell you Pharisees that there is one around here now. There is someone around here live. He's among you, and he is the Messiah. And John the Baptist tells the members of the Sanhedrin, he tells the Pharisees that the Messiah is in town. The Messiah is here. The Messiah is in your midst. The Messiah has arrived. Well, do you know what the effect of that would be upon anybody? Well, if he's here, let's find him. If John says that he's in our midst, who is he? Who could he possibly be? Who could this one possibly be? Now all this took place on the first day. This is the first day of this sequence. Can you imagine for just a moment what must have happened that evening when the report went back to the members of the Sanhedrin that John the Baptist says he's not the Messiah? but he told us that there was one standing in our midst who was. How late do you think they must have sat up that night talking about the subject? What do you think these political leaders and these religious leaders in Jerusalem must have done over the night that John has announced today? John told us plainly out there that he couldn't be the Messiah. He wasn't the Messiah. But the Messiah is in our midst. Now, where is he? Well, beloved, I can assure you that... <laughs> When information like that, you just let the least little thing break that something's going to happen or something's about to take place and rumors and tales and stories spread like wildfire over everywhere. And this was the first day this John the Baptist indicates that the Messiah is here, he's around somewhere, he's in your very midst. And what would they do to wait until the next day? 
Well, this had an effect. It had a tremendous effect. It had the effect of people saying, here, we must go listen to this man John because he's told us that the Messiah is in our midst and sooner or later it's going to come out where he is and who he is and sooner or later he's going to be identified so we'd better attend the meetings of John the Baptist. And so the next day John undoubtedly had a much larger congregation than he had the first day. And beloved, I want you to see that John didn't make his announcement until God brought the whole crowd in to hear it. God had the whole area stirred. John the Baptist says that the Messiah is in our midst. Now John the Baptist is preaching down there again tomorrow. John the Baptist is preaching over there by the Jordan River tomorrow. And when John goes to preaching over there tomorrow, everybody should be there and watch every word that falls from his lips. Let's wait anything he might say. Let's watch John the Baptist. John says he's in our midst. And let's get out of John. Let's somehow or other get from the lips of John. Somehow or other, let's find out who this Messiah is. That's the first day. That's the first day. All right, now let's notice verse 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, There they are. Everybody's come. John's preaching. John's in the midst of his great ministry. John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and he said, Behold, to whom is he addressing this text? Behold. Here are the people. Here are the crowds. Here are the Sanhedrin. Here are the Pharisees. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Beloved, here's John's first announcement of the Messiah. And when he makes the first announcement of the Messiah, he doesn't use the word Messiah. He uses the word Lamb. When John announces for the very first time that he's going to identify the Messiah, he does not announce him as the coming king. He doesn't announce him as the one who is going to sit on the throne of David. The first inkling, the first break in this announcement is that this one is a lamb. A lamb. And what did the Jews know about lambs? They knew that it was the lamb that they sacrificed on their altars for sin. They knew that it was the blood of a lamb which they brought in atonement. They knew, all Israel knew, all the Sanhedrin knew, everybody knew that it had to be a lamb. It had to be the firstling of the flock. It had to be a clean, pure, whole, perfect lamb which was offered. And when John the Baptist came to make this announcement on the first, the next day, the very first word he said, the very first identification that in any way would bring the Messiah into the presence of all of Israel was that he was a lamb. A lamb. Oh, beloved, the significance of this is tremendous because they reject him as a lamb and they crucify. The significance of this first opening so far as the nature of the ministry of Christ is concerned is of the greatest possible import because it's the blood of the lamb. It's the blood of Christ. It's the sacrifice of the Messiah. It's the atonement for sin that this lamb has come to accomplish for his people Israel. And the very first inkling 
so far as John's identification is concerned, is that Jesus is the Lamb. Now let's turn in verse 30. This is he of whom I said. Yesterday I told you yesterday about this, you'll remember. After me cometh a man which is preferred before me because he was before me. And I knew him not. But that he should be made manifest to Israel. I knew that. Therefore I am come baptizing with water. And John bear record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. Now, beloved, just mark that in your mind, because I'm coming down to this text. What if ye see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending? The first reference here is, I saw heaven opened, and the Spirit as a dove descended and abode upon him. And John the Baptist is saying that God identified the Messiah for me by the Holy Spirit coming as a dove and settling upon the head. And here came the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove and he landed upon this one Jesus. And that was the key, that was the cue, that was the message from heaven that Jesus was the Messiah. And then John makes the first great announcement, he's the Lamb. He's the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Now that's the second day. Now, before I go on to the third day, I would like to develop for you what at this point John has had to say concerning the person of this one. His work, yes, that's the lamb. He's a sacrifice. That's his ministry. That's his work. He came to die for sin. That's the priestly work. He was the lamb. But how about the person of this one? What does John now proceed to tell us concerning the very nature of this individual whom he has identified? Well, you have it here. And John saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. John saw and bear record. John says, I have introduced into you a person who is none other than the Son of God. Now, we're all familiar with the Gospel of John. We've had expositions on it through the years. But when you turn to the latter part of the Gospel of John, the beloved disciple says, These things are written, that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And now John the Baptist, in introducing Christ, the second day, as soon as he identifies him as a lamb who's to be slain for sin, turns and says that this lamb is the Son of God. The Son of God. Only the Son of God had come, and the Son of God had come in order to be the sacrifice for sin, so that there could be redemption for the people of God. As to the nature of his deity, John opens up an indication. He says he was before me. He says he was preferred before me. 
He says, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie his shoe or to tie his shoe strings up. I'm not worthy to do anything like that. But he was preferred before me. He was a far more important personage than I could ever be because he was before me. And here is a clear reference to the existence of the Son before the Incarnation. Here is an unmistakable identification of this person with the Almighty God before the birth, his birth. Now that opens up the entire area of the pre-existence of Christ. It opens up the whole question of the incarnation of the Son of God. The problem here, beloved, is that the moment you touch any of these subjects in the Bible that relate to the work of Christ, which is the blood, or the person of Christ, which is his deity, the moment you come near any one of these subjects, They are so interwoven and they're so full of all that God has given us that you even can't get near to one of them. You can't get close to one of these great glorious concepts, the blood and the deity, those two glorious concepts. You can't get near them without the radiance of them showing around and John couldn't begin to talk about this one being the Son of God until he said he was preferred before me. Well, yes, he was preferred before me because he was before me. John says, I was created, I was brought into being. But this one was never created. This one was never brought into being. This one was before me. And you're coming face to face with these profound glorious realities concerning the person of Jesus Christ. Who is he? Oh, the record is that he is the son of the living God. And we're his people because he shed his blood for us that he might redeem us from our sins. Well, that's the second day. That's the second day. All right, now let's move into the third day. And again, this is verse 35, the next day. After John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said. Now, beloved, the third day, we're going to have some difficulties. John's going to lose two of his disciples. John's going to lose two of his disciples on the third day. He said, uh, On this third day, there were two of the disciples of John heard Jesus talk. They heard Jesus speak. Now here's the first day in which John the Baptist says, he's here. Here's the second day, the dove comes down and John the Baptist says, behold the lamb. He makes the first great announcement. And then he identifies him as the son of God. Now the third day, two of John's disciples heard Jesus speak. And when these two disciples of John heard Jesus speak, they said, goodbye, John, I'm leaving you. I'm going over this man. We're going to follow this gentleman. We're going to follow Christ. And John now loses two of his disciples. There's no complaint here. I don't see any evidence that John objects to the fact that two of his disciples went off and left him. 
and went over to follow Jesus. But let's follow. This is the third day. And Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master, where dwellest thou? We've decided that we're going to attach ourselves to you. We're going to follow you. And he said, Come and see. So two men left John. Now who were the two men that left John? Well, we uh, left John the Baptist. We know one of them. He's very clearly identified. And I think we know the other one. There's little doubt as to who the second one was. Two of John's disciples heard Jesus talk, and they decided that they wanted to go and be with Jesus and dwelt where he dwelt. And they said to the Son of God, Where do you go? Where are you going? And where are you dwelling? He said, Come and see. And so they went and just followed Jesus. Now one of these was Andrew. We have his name. And I'll give you the second one in just a moment as we move on through the exposition and you'll see it. I'm sure you will. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon. So Andrew said to his companion, wait here, I'm going over and get a hold of Simon and tell him about this because uh, the man we've just found, this man Jesus, is far beyond anything we found in John the Baptist. And if we're going to be anybody's disciples, we'd better be the disciples of Jesus rather than this John the Baptist. So I want to go talk to, to, to Simon. Now, verse 41. We have found the Messiah which is being called the Christ. Here were the members of the Sanhedrin. Here were the Pharisees. They came to John the Baptist and said, John, are you the Messiah? He says, no, I'm not the Messiah. The whole question in everybody's mind, all through the community, all through the crowds was, where is this one? And John the Baptist didn't call him the Messiah. John the Baptist said he's the Lamb of God. John the Baptist didn't call him the Messiah. John the Baptist said, I bear record, he's the Son of God. John the Baptist called him the Son of God. But the two disciples that were with John the Baptist, Andrew, he says, I must go get Peter. I must go to my brother Simon. And he said, when I came to Peter, he says, we have found the Messiah. The Messiah is here the Pharisees were asking about him. John says he was in our midst. That's what John said day before yesterday. And yesterday he identified him. And now we heard him today. We listened to him talk ourselves. We had a chance to sit and listen to the words that fell from the lips of this one whom John said was the Lamb of God. We had our opportunity to look at him and John identified him as the Son of God. And Simon, we have found the Messiah. Look at that test. which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Andrew says, come on, Peter. I don't want you to wait. Let's go. You must see him. This is the greatest find that has ever come to Israel. There is in the city of Jerusalem, there is in Bethphage, there is in this immediate area a person 
who is the fulfillment of everything that the prophet said would take place. He is here, Simon. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus beheld him and said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And at that moment, Jesus changed the name of Simon to that of Peter. He's been known to us as Simon Peter, which is by interpretation a stone. Now, beloved, who was the unnamed disciple that was with Andrew? Andrew went off and got, uh, got Simon. Who was the unnamed disciple? Who could he possibly be? Who is the disciple who was a witness to these things? Who was a disciple who was present there when John made the great announcement, Behold the Lamb of God? Who was that disciple? John, the author of the gospel that we're now reading. He was the one. In fact, John is the unnamed disciple whom we see at various points in the gospel of John. When we get to the very end of the Gospel of him, he's still the unnamed disciple. He's there, but he doesn't name. But it's in the 14th and the 15th and the 16th chapters of the Gospel of John that Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples alone, you know, in that upper room just before he left, and you have that most intimate conversation. And it's in that passage that Jesus Christ said to his disciples that when I go, the Spirit will come and he will bring back to your remembrance all these things which I said unto you. And John, the beloved disciple, is reporting here by the aid and the guidance of the Holy Ghost what he heard on the first day when John announced he's in your midst, on the second day when he announced that Jesus was the Lamb, and on the third day John and Andrew heard Jesus talk and John and Andrew left John the Baptist and said, we will go find where he dwells and we will stay with this one. And Andrew announced that this is the Messiah we found. These things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that believing he might have life on his name. Andrew says he was the Messiah. John says he was the Messiah. But John the Baptist said, this is the record that he is the Son of God. Oh, beloved, when I take a passage like this and just break it open in these sequences and you can see the progression and the thinking of these men and you can see how one day they heard an announcement, next day they waited and they heard the content of the announcement, the next day they saw the person, they had a chance to talk to him and they went to stay with him that night where he abode. Oh, the power that Jesus Christ had. And when Simon, or when Andrew brought his brother Simon and Jesus surnamed him Peter, Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone, there you had John and Andrew and Peter, these three men brought to Jesus on the third day. One of the things that disturbs me about all this is that these men just recognized him as the Messiah and they came to him so beautifully and so naturally they just came to him. But when I stand here and I preach this message and I hold before you the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, 
I hold before you the Son of the living God. And here he is speaking, and men hear his word, and they forsake John the Baptist, and they turn and they follow this one, and they said, where is he dwelling? Let us go and dwell with him. Why can't I get you people to come and dwell with him too? Why can't we get you people to forsake the John the Baptist and these lesser ones? Why do you hesitate? Why are you not willing to say, Lord, wherever you dwell, that's where I'll be. Wherever you are, that's where I'm going to carry on my life and my ministry and carry on the years of my days. Wherever the Lamb is, there I shall go. All right, that's the third day. Now let's get to the fourth day. These days, how they did develop, how these things happened. Oh, before I go into this, though, may I just say to you people, it's one of the greatest things to believe all this and then know that things do happen from day to day to day to day. And something happened yesterday, and then you see what happens today. And do you know, beloved, there actually is in the heart of real believers an anticipation of what may happen tomorrow. That's the way God deals with it. Something takes place today. Yes, there was an announcement that the Messiah was in their midst. Yes, there was an announcement that uh, uh, he was the Lamb. Yes, John and Andrew decided to forsake John the Baptist and go off with Jesus. And now we come to the fourth day. And what's going to develop on the fourth day? What other things are going to unfold? What else is Jesus going to show us about himself? What else is going to take place? Well, let's see it. Here's the fourth day. <clears throat> the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. See, Andrew had, had to run up to Simon anyhow. He went over to the Simon of Peter's house and said, I found Christ, come and see him. And so Jesus then goes back to the same town and he finds Philip there. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, do you see how this expands? Here was the town of Andrew and Simon Peter. And Jesus walked out to that town, and here was Philip. And the stories had moved around very, very rapidly indeed. And Philip looks upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ speaks to Philip and says, follow me. And then Philip arises and goes and finds Nathanael and says unto him, we have found him. We have the greatest discovery. The greatest thing has taken place right in our town, right in our day, right in the midst of the way in which we live. Moses wrote about him. The prophets all told us about him. Everybody's been thinking about these things, but who would have thought that he would be here right this very moment with us in our presence in our town? We have found him of whom Moses in the law did write. Do you remember that after Jesus was raised from the dead, 
And on the road to Emmaus, he was talking with his disciples. He said, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That was after he was raised from the dead. Here Christ is just calling his disciples. John the Baptist and his identification and two disciples heard him and now he speaks to Philip and Philip goes running off to Nathaniel and he says, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, we found him. Moses wrote about him. We have the Old Testament. We have the law. We have the writings. We have the prophets. We found him. He's arrived. The Messiah is here. Come, come, let's see him. Come unto me. That's the cry. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Here is the Messiah. Now follow this closely and get more of the intent. This is Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, may I just slip this in for you because I think this is beautiful. You see that word, did right? Did right? Moses in the law did right. Yes, and you read in your Sunday school literature now of the new curriculum that Moses never wrote anything. Say, we're getting all this liberalism of just tearing the Old Testament to pieces. And Philip says, Moses wrote. But of course, the trouble with Philip, you must understand, beloved, Philip was accommodating himself to the error and the ignorance of his day. That's what's the trouble with Philip at this point. The prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Do you mean to say you're telling me that Joseph who lives over here in Nazareth with Mary over there, we know who they are, this carpenter over there, do you mean to say that anything possibly good could come out of this place called Nazareth? What has that to do with prophecy? What has that? That's not Bethlehem. That's not Jerusalem. Now, that's not Sinai. That has nothing to do with what, what's going to come out of Nazareth. And what did Philip say? He says, Nathaniel, if you don't want to believe me, you just come and see this man. You come right with me. I saw him. Here he is. Furthermore, Simon saw him and he changed his name. He now calls him Peter. You come and take a look at this man. You just look at him. That's all you need to see. Look at his eyes. Look at his tongue. Hear him as he speaks. There's something about his word when he speaks to you. It just completely engulfs you. It penetrates your heart. We have found the Messiah. Come, Nathaniel. Come with me. Now, I think I'd go too if I had that kind of pleadings. You probably would go too to take a look. You probably would really want to go. Now look at this next phrase. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. I've read that many times and wondered just how long Nathaniel was under the fig tree. 
What was he doing out under the fig tree? Sitting there, reading a book, meditating, eating figs. What was he doing under the fig tree? And what was he doing under that fig tree? Just before Philip went and called him. But Jesus said, Nathaniel, you were out there under that fig tree just before Philip came to get you, and I saw thee there under the fig tree. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And here is Jesus Christ in his omniscience. Here he is with his knowledge of all things saying to Nathaniel, you were there under that fig tree. Oh, beloved, where shall we go from his presence? Can we ascend up on high? Can we go down into the deep? Beloved, you cannot get away from the presence or the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And may I say to you sinners listening to this preacher, beware, your sins will find you out. There's nothing covered that will not be uncovered. There's nothing hidden that shall not be made known. And God knows your sins, even your secret sins, are in the presence of his countenance. And when Jesus Christ said to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, before Philip came to see you, I saw you under that fig tree. What was he doing? What was he doing under that fig tree? We're not told. That's one of the questions maybe you and I'll have the privilege of asking Nathaniel a few days after the resurrection takes place. What was he doing? But whatever he was doing, he knew that Jesus knew it, and he said, Thou art the Son of God. No one could have knowledge like this. No one could do this sort of thing if he weren't indeed the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said unto him, Nathaniel, this is nothing, just the fact that I knew you were under the fig tree. Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than this. I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead before I get through with my ministry. Why, I'm going to give sight to men who didn't have eyes. They were born without them. But furthermore, Nathaniel, you're going to see the Son of God himself self-raised from the dead. And Nathaniel, what, what, what if you should see the heavens open and the angels of God not coming like doves? No, the angels themselves, the real angels, the angels that God created, ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Nathaniel, I am the Son of God. I am the Son of Man. And Nathaniel, you believed in me and you've come to be my disciple. And he accepted him. Do you believe in this one? Will you come and dwell with him? Will you come and see? Will you believe that greater things than these shall he do? He'll give you salvation. He'll pardon your sins. He'll make you a new creature. He'll save your soul. Do you believe that he ascended into heaven and now the heavens are going to open and the angels that God created yonder in the great areas of his creation, they shall come and they shall pay tribute, they shall ascend and descend. Heaven's going to own me. Not just a dove coming down in the presence of John the Baptist. Beloved, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for this sweet exposition. Oh, bless it to the hearts of all who've heard it. Use it to kindle faith, 
And may the Holy Spirit give that faith by his power. For Christ's sake, amen. Now let's stand as we close and sing hymn number 74, just the first and the last verses as we close. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of you, now and forever. Amen.